Welcome to the Shift Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's precious metals news. It's Friday, October 25th. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Thanks for tuning in. Well, this has been one of the slowest news weeks in quite a while. There were no big moves in the markets, no big trade war announcements, no significant Fed moves. There is this whole big Brexit fiasco, but that doesn't seem to be having a whole lot of significant impact on U.S. markets. But there was some more weak economic data this week, and that pushed gold back above the $1,500 mark. The yellow metal has gained 0.8% this week and appears to be heading for its biggest weekly gain since the week ended August 20th, depending, of course, on what happens today. Silver has surged even more. It's up about $0.33 cents and back above the $18 an ounce mark. So, what kind of weak economic data are we talking here? Well, sales of new single-family homes fell in September. According to analysts, low inventories continued to weigh on sales despite low mortgage rates. It was a 0.7% drop, according to Commerce Department data. And new home prices saw the biggest monthly fall in five years. That came on the heels of Tuesday's report showing that existing home sales also fell last month by a whopping 2.2%. Now, most people don't realize this, but the Fed managed to reinflate the housing bubble after 2008. Home prices rose precipitously and had eclipsed levels seen just prior to the housing bust last fall. Average home prices nationwide surged 11.5% above the crazy peak of housing bubble number one. In a nutshell, we were looking at housing bubble 2.0. Now, you know what else happened last fall, right? Mortgage rates pushed over 5%. That sent tremors through the housing market. Prices were starting to fall. That is, until the Powell pause and two rate cuts this year. That threw the market a lifeline. In other words, the Fed is trying desperately to keep the housing market propped up, just like it's trying desperately to keep the stock market propped up. Get this, the 30-year fixed mortgage rate has dropped more than 125 basis points since last November's peak to an average of 3.69%. That's according to data from finance agency Freddie Mac. Now, the bad news this week wasn't limited to the housing market. New orders for key U.S.-made capital goods fell more than expected in September, and shipments also declined. According to the Commerce Department, orders for non-defense capital goods, excluding aircraft, fell 0.5%. This number is generally seen as a measure of future business spending plans on equipment. As I've talked about in the last couple of weeks, the U.S. manufacturing sector is already in a recession. Manufacturing output fell more than expected last month and has contracted two straight months, according to PMI numbers. And business investment fell at a 1.0% annualized rate last quarter. That's the biggest drop since the fourth quarter of 2015. That was what the government reported last month. This data has increased anticipation of another Fed rate cut during the October meeting next month. Now, speaking of the Fed, remember the repo operations that the Fed launched last month to inject short-term liquidity into the overnight borrowing markets? I'll link to an article about that whole process in the show notes page for those of you who might not be up uh, on that whole big wing-ding. But anyway, it's still going on. Peter Schiff often uses the heroin analogy to explain how Fed monetary policy works. The more it offers, 
the more the markets demand. Easy money is a drug, and as time goes on, the dealer, in this case the Fed, has to increase the dose. It takes more and more easy money to maintain the high. Well, that's exactly what's happening happening with these repo operations. Yesterday, the New York Fed started offering at least $120 billion in daily operations. That's up from $75 billion. The amount offered for term repo operations on October 24th and October 29th was also increased to at least $45 billion. That was up from $35 billion. Now, these repo operations are in addition to the new quantitative easing program that the Fed announced. Shh, we're not supposed to call it QE, but between you and me, it's QE. The Fed plans to, as Reuters explained it, permanently raise the level of reserves in the banking system by purchasing about $60 billion a month in short-term treasury bills. So yeah, that's QE. In other central bank news, the European Central Bank said it would keep its ultra-easy money policy unchanged. The Reuters lead on this story was actually pretty spicy. The report said the decision, quote, ended Mario Draghi's eight-year tenure at the bank in exactly the same place he started, trying to prop up a perpetually ailing currency block. Ooh, nice. In other words, eight years of stimulus hasn't worked. I mean, if any place should be stimulated, it's the Eurozone, right? You've had negative interest rates for years, massive QE. On top of that, there have been all kinds of government fiscal stimulus. The only thing missing from the equation is the promised economic growth. You know, there's actually evidence that government spending does the exact opposite of stimulus. I'm not going to go into all of the details here, but short version is government spending, especially when coupled with high taxes, actually retards economic growth. I'll link to an article on the show notes page that digs into the numbers on this. Needless to say, this does not bode well for Americans given the trajectory of the U.S. government spending spree. I'm going to close out this show by talking a little bit about corporate debt. I've I've talked a lot about government debt and consumer debt. Well, the corporate debt bubble is just as big and it's just as troubling. In fact, it looks an awful lot like the mortgage debt bubble in the years leading up to the 2008 crash. In fact, it's kind of like deja vu all over again. Really, it's pretty amazing how the central bankers, politicians, and Wall Street tycoons have done almost exactly the same things they did to blow up the bubble that led to the Great Recession. And they're just as blind now as they were then. Peter Schiff did a great talk at the Las Vegas Money Show outlining everything that is happening, and the parallels between now and then are pretty staggering. I'll link to that uh, on the show notes page as well. Anyway, outstanding corporate debt in the U.S. stands at almost $10 trillion, according to SEC Chairman Jay Clayton. That's nearly 50% of GDP. In a speech last month, Clayton said, those are numbers that should attract our attention. Why, yes. Yes, they are. But they don't. The mainstream doesn't talk about this much at all, despite the Federal Reserve issuing a warning about rising corporate debt last spring. The Fed said, quote, borrowing by business is historically high relative to gross domestic product, with the most rapid increase in debt concentrated among the riskiest firm amid signs of deteriorating credit standards. Yeah, that sounds less than ideal. But some in the mainstream are actually starting to sound the alarm on this. An article in Bloomberg recently proclaimed trouble brews for companies that gorged on cheap credit. That cheap credit, of course, was made possible by the Federal Reserve holding interest rates artificially low 
for more than a decade. Now, the main character in this story is a Wall Street creation known as a Collateralized Loan Obligation, or CLO. Remember when Wall Street decided it would be a good idea to package a bunch of risky mortgages together in a financial product called a Collateralized Debt Obligation, a CDO? A CLO is pretty much the same thing, except it cobbles together risky corporate loans. As Bloomberg explained, it's a tool used to package a bunch of high-risk debt together so they can easily be sold for investors hungry for juicy returns. What could go wrong, right? I mean, it's not like this thing nearly took down the entire financial system. Oh, wait. Yeah, CLOs. These things start with leveraged loans. Think subprime loans for corporations. As with any risky loan, they could be difficult to either collect or resell in a downturn, putting both the borrower and the lender at risk. Now, to spread out the risk, Wall Street firms package several hundred of these loans together and then issues bonds backed by the loans. See? Deja vu. With interest rates pushed artificially low, thank you, central bankers, investors are scrambling for yield. As I've talked about on this show, negative yielding debt topped $15 trillion globally for the first time ever in August, and it has since climbed to over $16 trillion. As the Financial Times put it, negative bond yields were once considered to be an economic lunacy. Now, they're basically economic normalcy. The scramble for yield in a zero-yield world made CLOs a popular investment tool in recent years. Now, unlike mortgage-backed CDOs, CLOs, that market, made it through the 2008 financial crisis without crashing to the ground. And since then, it has grown exponentially thanks to the Fed's easy money policy. You see, it always comes back to the Fed's easy money policy. The central bankers wanted to encourage companies to borrow and stimulate the economy, and by God, they have borrowed. Here's how Bloomberg described the situation. Fueled by unprecedented $3.5 trillion wave of private equity buyout deals during the past decade and rock-bottom U.S. interest rates that only stoked investors' willingness to gamble on riskier assets, the CLO market has more than doubled since 2010 to $660 billion by providing abundant cheap funds to less credit-worthy end-of-the-market, it has helped grease the wheels of the longest economic expansion in U.S. history. Like I said, deja vu. The fear is that a slowing economy and a rising likelihood of a recession could lead to a, quote, stampede of credit downgrades and a wave of selling in the CLO market. This would cut a lot of companies off from their only source of cash. And of course, that would threaten the company's very survival. And by the way, there are already some bad signs in the corporate bond market. Analysts estimate that up to 29% of leveraged loans are rated just one rung above triple C. That's the last step before default. Meanwhile, corporate credit downgrades by S&P Global Ratings outpace upgrades currently by the highest level since 2009. This is what a deflating bubble looks like. Again, deja vu all over again. Well, I'm about out of time. I wanted to let you know real quick, Shift Gold can now take the cryptocurrency Ethereum as payment for gold and silver. If you're interested in diversifying your crypto portfolio with precious metals, talk to a Shift Gold precious metal specialist today. Just call 1-888-GOLD-160. Well, that's it, Gold Wrap, for this week. You can get more details on all of these stories and more, and keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week at shiftgold.com news. And if you haven't done it already, you can subscribe to the Friday Gold Wrap over at iTunes uh, or on the Shift Gold YouTube channel. Links for both of those are on the show notes page. 
I really appreciate you listening to the show. I hope you have a fantastic weekend, and I'll talk to you next week.